Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Well, Merry Christmas, church family. I trust that you guys had a great day yesterday celebrating Christmas wherever you were at. But I love these types of weeks because it allows us, if we take advantage of it, to be with us together as a church family multiple times within a few days. So, so glad that you're here taking time, worshiping God together, being in community with one another. As we dive in, I, I would guess I'll make an assumption that the majority of you are familiar with the song, Santa Claus is coming to town. Now, by no means am I going to sing it, but allow me to read a few lines for you. It says, you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Now, I have never looked into the background or the inspiration, the motivation for this song, but I got to assume it was written by a parent who was desperate to get their kids to behave during the holidays, right? I could see myself making a similar threat like, hey, you guys don't knock it off. Santa ain't coming, right? I could could be there. Now, I don't don't know if that's the best parenting strategy, but uh, nonetheless effective, right? You got to know it would be effective. So essentially, this song turns Santa into the morality police, right? The behavioral police. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He is going to find out who's naughty or nice. You have to admit, though, Santa's tactics seem a little sketch. He sees you when you're sleeping. Yo, uncool, man. Uncool. That's crossing a line. Anyway, according to this song, right, yesterday you found out if you've been naughty or nice based on the gifts you did or didn't receive. And so if you've been good this year, hey, maybe you got some killer gifts. If you haven't been as good, well then, then maybe you got some coal or socks, right? Some of you guys got socks probably. No offense though, no offense. Now, of course, we're not concerned about what Santa thinks of us, good, bad, naughty, or nice. But have you ever stopped and questioned, well, what does God think of me? What's my status in God's eyes? Good, bad, naughty, or nice? You see, I think that is something worth giving time and energy to. That is a question worth considering. And so this morning, we're going to open up God's word together to answer this question, to find out the answer. Are we naughty or nice? What does God think of me? Now, i got to be real. We're going to start with some unfortunate and, and brutal news, right? This, this tough reality. And that is that according to Scripture, from the moment our life begins, we're on the naughty list. Right? We're on the naughty list, meaning we are at odds with God because of the sin in our lives. Scripture clearly communicates that we have a sin nature, meaning we are born as sinners. Psalm 51 verse 5, David writes, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Psalm 58 verse 3 says, Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb, they are wayward and speak lies. 
Now, if you and I were to take a course on theology, right, the study of God, you would learn that there are multiple words used to describe or explain this concept that we are born as sinners, as, as enemies of God, such as inherited sin or original sin or inherited corruption. Wayne Grudem was the author of this big old book called Systematic Theology. He defines inherited corruption as the sinful nature or the tendency to sin, which all people inherit because of Adam's sin. The idea entails that in our natures, we totally lack spiritual good before God. And in our actions, we are totally unable to do spiritual good before God. In other words, we're on the naughty list. Now, I get it. Some of you might be wondering, well, well how can I have a sin nature? Or how can I be born a sinner. I haven't even done anything yet, right? I haven't had the opportunity to, to listen or obey or not obey. I haven't been able to, to make a choice. And so how can I be born a sinner? And that's a totally legitimate question. But what you and I have to understand is that the Bible is clear that Adam, the first human being, served as the representative for all mankind, and so when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, his sin and his guilt and the consequences of his actions were transferred to the rest of us. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 5 verse 12, which says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. And so, whether you think that's right or wrong, whether you think that's fair or not, that is reality. And I understand this can be a tough pill to swallow, but even if you have a hard time embracing the reality of inherited corruption, most people, most of us are willing to admit that we're not perfect. Outside of my wife, do we have any perfect people in the room? See what I did there? See what I did there? Husbands, missed opportunity. You also should have been pointing to your wife, right? I'm just, that was a softball. You could have, mm. Anyways, you got to answer for that one later. You're about to be on the naughty list. Look, most of us, right? Most people were willing to admit that we've done something wrong, big or small, at some point in our lives, that we have sinned. Now, quick side note, right? Outside of the church context, we don't hear this word sin used very often. And so allow me to define it for us. Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature. And just in case any of us are in denial, the Bible makes it clear on a number of occasions that everyone has sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Psalm 14 verse 3 says, All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. In Proverbs chapter 20 verse 9, the author asks a rhetorical question. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure. I am clean and without sin. And of course, the implied answer is no one. And then lastly, in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, John writes, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth 
is not in us. You see, no matter how we look at it, there's simply no denying that we have sin in our lives. And once we're willing to acknowledge our sin nature and admit that we've sinned, we must also recognize the adverse effects and the consequences that sin has on our lives that we face. And Paul makes it very clear in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, he writes, for the wages of sin is death. You see, because of our sin, we're on this path that leads to eternal death and destruction. Because of our sin, we're, we're completely separated from God. Now in our house, Aaron and I, and if I'm being real, it's mostly Aaron, she, she urges the kids to keep their rooms as neat and tidy as possible. Well, a couple of years ago, Reuben, who, who was three at the time, he approaches Aaron with an unsolicited update on the status of his room. And he says, Mom, my room is a disaster piece, right? And it was, it was like there was a bomb that went off in there. It was a war zone. It was a hot mess. And, and really, when it comes to our standing, our spiritual standing before God, we're a disaster piece. We're a hot mess. We have junk in our lives. We're depraved, wretched, corrupt. We're lying, no good, rotten, four flush and low lifes. In other words, we are sinners in desperate need of salvation. How's that for encouraging the day after Christmas, right? Aren't you glad you showed up for that? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Not everyone including other world religions, subscribe to this belief about the human condition. You see, Muslims claim that humans are born with hearts that are clean slates. If they commit sins, they can be overcome by acts of the will. Hindus call sin utter illusion because they believe all material reality is an illusion. Mormons believe that people will be punished for their sins, but that Adam's sin has no bearing on us. And whether for religious reasons or not, the biblical perspective on the human condition is very different for, for people when they, when they ask, okay, well, what about you? Because so many people describe themselves as a good person. And to back up that claim, they list their good works or they compare themselves to others. Well, at least I haven't done this, that, or the other. Unfortunately, though, not only for them, but for us as well, our good works hold little value in the eyes of God. You see, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 says, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Wayne Grudem writes, In spite of the ability to do good, in many senses of that word, our inherited corruption." Our tendency to sin means that as far as God is concerned, we're not able to do anything that pleases him. And so if the Bible is the ultimate authority in our lives, it doesn't matter what we think of ourselves, and it doesn't matter what others think of us. See, we have to look to Scripture to determine our status. We have to see ourselves through the lens of Scripture. And when we do, we find that there is no one who does good. Not even one. Thankfully, though, that's not all Scripture says about us. You see, God, because of his love for us, 
solve the problem of our sin by sending his son, Jesus, to die on the cross in our place for our sins. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 24 says, He, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. You see, in the same way, this is interesting here, in the same way that Adam served as the representative for all mankind, God sent Jesus to serve as our representative as well. And in Romans chapter 5, Paul compares and contrasts the work and results of each of our representatives. He writes this in chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. Just as the result of the one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the results of the one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. See, whereas Adam brought sin and death, Jesus brought righteousness and life. And throughout Scripture, this transformation that takes place in the life of those who put their faith and trust in him, it's described in numerous ways. Because of Jesus, it says that we've been made alive. We've been brought from death to life. We've been moved from darkness to light. And in keeping with the holiday theme, we've been moved from the naughty list to the nice list. Not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has done for us. You see, for all of us who have a relationship with Jesus, everything changes. No longer does hell await us when our time on this earth comes to an end. Rather, we're going to live with God forever and all those who love him. And, and I realize there may be someone here or, or even watching online who doesn't yet have a relationship with Jesus. Or you might know someone friends, family members, neighbors who don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. And if you know someone or if that's where you're at this morning, if, if you don't have that relationship, what you need to know is that salvation is a free gift to you and it's available to absolutely everyone. You also need to know, especially as you have opportunity to communicate this to others, right? As we're rubbing shoulders with those who don't yet know Jesus, you need to tell them, hey, there's nothing you can do to earn it. And there's absolutely nothing you can do to pay for it. All that's left for you to do is receive it. And while the effects of salvation in and on our lives are enormous, both now and for all eternity, the process of, of becoming a child of God is actually pretty simple. And it's as simple as A, B, C. And this is how you can communicate it to others who don't yet have that relationship. You see, first we have to admit that we're imperfect, that we're in need of God to forgive us and save us. B, we need to believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that he rose again. And third, we have to commit as best as we're able to. We have to commit to living our lives for Jesus, letting him be in charge letting him call the shots. And so because there might be someone who's here today who has yet to receive the very best gift that they could ever receive, I want to give you the opportunity to make the most important decision of your life. And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray with me from wherever you're at. 
And it's certainly not about the exact words that I say, but more that you mean it in your heart. And so if that's where you're at this morning, I invite you to pray with me. You can just simply repeat the words silently in your own spirit from wherever you're sitting. So let's pray together. Jesus, today, I recognize my need for you. And and I invite you into my heart, into my life, to save me and guide me. Please forgive me for my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again so that I can have eternal life. And from this day forward, I commit to living my life for you. Thank you for saving me. Amen. And if that's a prayer you prayed for the very first time, we would love to know that. Not only so that we can celebrate that significant decision with you, but we want to come alongside you and and help you take next steps in your relationship with God. This, This journey that you just began, we want to help you grow in that relationship. And so you can simply let us know by texting the word connecting to 94000. And when you get that link in return, click on that link. And then there's a button that says, I accepted Christ today. And you can fill out a really, really short form and we'll be happy to follow up with you. Now, for those of you in this room who've who've already made that decision. Maybe even when you were a little kid, you've already put your faith and trust in Jesus for your salvation. You've already took care of that and and it's been a while. And so you might be wondering, well, okay, Derek, we've been talking a lot about sin and, and I've already tried to deal with that, right? I got right with God years ago. And so what does this have to do with me? How do I apply this message to my life right now? You see, for those of us who do have a relationship with Jesus, while, while we have reason to celebrate the life we have in Christ, and, and we have reason to celebrate that every single day, we also need to understand that our sin nature doesn't go away. At least not yet. Right? At least not yet. We won't experience sinless perfection, which is the state of being totally free from sin, until we're in heaven or Jesus comes back whichever happens first. And so, even though we've been declared righteous in the sight of God, we need to recognize that our sin nature still has an impact on our lives. Meaning, even as Christians, we're going to trip, stumble, and fall throughout our lives. And of course, the hope is that our sin would decrease the longer we're following Jesus. And and honestly, that ought to be the goal. We should be striving for that, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us so we can become more and more like Jesus the longer we follow him. But the reality is perfection will not come on this side of heaven. In Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about his struggle with his own sin nature despite being a follower of Jesus. Allow me to read verses 14 through 23. Paul writes this, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. 
Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Paul describes this tension that we face as followers of Jesus. We're freed from sin, but not yet fully. We're freed from sin, but, but not yet fully. Lance Witt, who's the author of the book Replenish, he also talks about this reality that we face as Christians. And he writes, Even though I've been redeemed and the old self has been crucified, I still live in a fallen world, and the seduction of the flesh is still an everyday battle. See, the good news is that as Christians, we will ultimately have victory over sin and death. But since our sin nature still remains, the battle rages on. And this is why Peter says our sinful desires wage war against your soul. So we have this question that we have to answer then. What do we do? How do we combat our sinful nature and Satan's attacks so that we can live in obedience to God? What steps can we take? How do we combat our sinful nature so we can live a life that's pleasing to God. And there's so many ways that we can answer this question. But one of the most important things we can do is remember our brokenness. Remember our brokenness. Now I realize that sounds a little bit like an odd strategy when it comes to overcoming our sinful nature. Right? Like how is remembering our brokenness supposed to help me overcome my brokenness? But that is exactly what God had the Israelites do in the book of Deuteronomy. You see, five different times God calls on the Israelites to remember that they had been slaves in Egypt and he had rescued them. Then each time God gives them a command to follow. But the starting place was for them to recall what they had been. You see, just as God called the Israelites to remember their former status of slaves and their sinful actions, I believe there's also value for us in remembering that we were once dead in our sins and that we still have a sin nature, meaning that we are still very capable of living in rebellion to God, meaning that we are, are very, have, have a ton of potential, even if you will, potential to do evil. And I get it. Focusing on our lingering sin nature isn't the most fun or encouraging message, but, but I think being aware of our depravity can spur us on to take actions that will help us to overcome our sin nature, our tendency to sin. You see, first, remembering our depravity can drive us toward humility. If we were to conduct an honest self-assessment, we're all going to realize that, mm, there's more work to be done. We don't have it all figured out. And we come to a place where we're able to humbly acknowledge, I still need God's help. And this realization can, can motivate us to go to God in prayer again and again and again and rely on the Holy Spirit to work in our lives so that we can live in obedience to God. 
Second, remembering our depravity can drive us toward accountability. Right? We need God's help. And that often comes in the form of brothers and sisters in Christ holding us accountable. And I, and, and I think, you know, when we understand this battle that we continue to be in, fighting against our sin nature, it's a battle that we can fight on our own. But if we choose to fight it on our own, you can't expect to succeed. We need one another. We're all in need of godly people in our lives who can come alongside us to encourage us, provide us counsel, and get us back on track whenever needed. And and perhaps you're thinking, hey, Derek, that sounds great, but I don't have anyone in my life who can do that for me. I don't have anyone in my life who could serve as an accountability partner. And I understand that finding that level of accountability, it can be challenging. But the first step in making that happen is making sure that you're in community, sharing life with other believers. And so your next step toward accountability might be joining a life group, one of our small groups during the winter session. As Noah mentioned earlier, those start, sign up start next Sunday. There's a list of all the groups that are gonna be happening out in the lobby and, and that could be the step you need to take making it a priority. I'm going to be in community with other believers. And so as I build relationship there, God might provide someone in my life who can hold me accountable, encourage me, provide counsel. So I hope you'll make that a priority. Third, remembering our depravity can drive us to show grace to others. You see, when I recognize that I'm still under construction, I tend to leave a lot more room and show grace for others to be a work in progress as well. Lance Witt, he asks this question. When I know what's inside me, who am I to be condescending or stand in harsh judgment over anyone? And that's not to say we don't come alongside other believers and lovingly call each other out when necessary. But in the midst of the cancel culture that we're living in, I think we would do well to show more grace for one another. After all, God has shown us more grace than we will ever know. And then finally, by remembering our depravity and our tendency to sin, we can take steps to be prepared to fight against it. See, knowing that we were in a constant battle, Paul calls us to put on the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. It's only because of God's power in us that we're able to overcome sin and live in obedience to him. 2021 is quickly coming to a close. And as we look ahead to a new year, we often consider our own potential, right? Our our desire for good, our desires for self-improvement, our desires for growth. And certainly there's nothing wrong with that, right? We should take time and think about what do we want to see happen in this next year? What are the goals that we need to set and and how are we going to go about achieving them? We should strive for growth. But in this new year, just like any other year, We also have potential for sin, pride, selfishness, idolatry, bitterness, disunity, prejudice. And unfortunately, we can be easily drawn to sin. 
But if we're mindful of our sinful nature, it can lead us to safeguard against it and overcome it, which by God's grace allows us to experience the positive of our potential for his glory and the expansion of his kingdom here on earth. So let's remember our brokenness. Let's thank God for his grace. And let's continually rely on the Holy Spirit to finish the work that he's begun in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your grace. God, it's grace that we are in need of every single day, moment by moment. God, without it, we're lost. God, as we take time this morning to reflect upon our ongoing need for you, help us, Lord, to have this, this growing desire to live in such a way that's that's pleasing to you, that's honoring to you. Help us to recognize that there is an enemy that is, that is seeking our destruction. God, that wants nothing more than for us to turn our backs on you. But by being aware of this lingering sin nature in our lives, God, help us to overcome it. We need you. We can't do it on our own. So please, God, give us the grace that we need And we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.